you are listening to Single Serves. My name is Arno Marturet and I am your host. Single Serves is a podcast dealing with design, architecture, business, and city building in which I interview an expert on a specific subject matter. Together, we dive into that topic and challenge conventional thinking in a thought-provoking conversation. I sincerely hope that you will find these conversations as engaging as I did and learn a thing or two in the process. Don't forget to send us your comments, criticism, and praise. To do so, you can email us at hello at rvltr.studio or leave a comment online. You can also subscribe to the podcast on our website at rvltr.studio and follow us on social media under the handle at revelator underscore T-O. It's R-E-V-E-L-A-T-E-U-R underscore T-O. Claire Marie McDade is a data scientist with a background in architecture. Educated at IIT and Cooper Union, she spent 10 plus years on the design and construction of schools, hospitals, historic buildings, and other public buildings in the US and abroad. Realizing that something needed to change to address the problem of disposable buildings, she created the Building Quality Index and pivoted her career to data science to further develop the idea. Her data science education was at the Flatiron School, and Arch Nora is now developing software to commercialize its patent-pending technology. So thank you, Claire Marie, for being on the show. It's a real pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So can you tell us who you are and what you do in three sentences or less? I'm Claire Marie McDade. I'm founder and CEO of ArcNora, and I created the Building Quality Index. What is the Building Quality Index? The Building Quality Index is like a credit rating for buildings. It measures buildings on a score from 1 to 1,000. It looks at the overall quality of the building. Um, and when I say quality, I'm referring to base building systems, plumbing, mechanical, architectural systems. And can you tell us how that came about? So as an architect, I worked on some of the highest quality buildings around hospitals, historic buildings, uh, schools from 100 years ago, getting adaptive reuse projects. And I saw the awesome construction methods of the past and how those have changed over time. And then I also just observed the industry and saw all the variation and how a lot of other building types don't have such quality as the buildings I was working on. Um, And I realized, oh, there's a huge, huge variation. And then I also noticed that buildings are getting demolished in a shorter lifespan now than they used to be in history. We're now demolishing buildings every 30 to 50 years, whereas 100 years ago, we demolished them after 100 years. um, And it gets, you know, the life cycle was even longer further ago. And so I started asking myself, why is this happening? Um, And I, I started my own architecture practice and did a research project on this issue at the same time. Um, And I discovered that it's largely an economic problem, um, but it has different causes. And one of those is low building quality because we're not tracking it um, the way we could be tracking it as an industry to improve it. So can you tell us uh, in more detail what disposable buildings are? Absolutely. So I define disposability in architecture and construction as any building that's being used for only around 30 years. Um, And obviously it's a bit tongue in cheek, you know, it's not a Starbucks cup, (laughs) we're not throwing it away that quickly. But when you think about the fact that a human lives for 70 to 90 years, and we're building buildings that cost, you know, on the low end, $30 million, on the high end, hundreds of million dollars, 
with all of that material being mined out of the ground, it sure seems like a waste to only use it for 30 years. At which point do you think, or did you see that uh, quality in the way buildings are built shift? And was there a particular reason for that other than the eco economics that you've already mentioned? Mm, um, that's, that's a good question. So some of the other factors influencing this, just to give a big picture, um, in the US specifically are taxes, because the tax system encourages shorter building holds by the way depreciation is structured. You get more depreciation when the building is younger. And then after a certain number of years, it phases out completely. So that actually serves as a disincentive to building holds. And another is that the mortgage system for commercial loans is 30 years maximum. So those two factors are also not helping. Um, but from, from an architectural and construction point of view, we can't change those things. Those are with the government. So what can we change? We can change building quality. And what's happening is there's this tipping point between quality and economics. When the cost to build new exceeds the cost, um, oh, excuse me, I said it backwards. When the cost of improvements to the building exceeds the cost to build new, that's when the building is demolished. And that economic tipping point, it's like a law of economics. It, it is always like, when it reaches that point, the building will always be tipped over. Um, so that reaching that point needs to be prevented if you want to use the building for a longer period of time. And what needs to happen is that the quality improvements, which some are maintenance, some are capital improvements that come in the form of construction projects, those need to be prioritized and planned in advance over a longer period of time so that the financial payback can actually happen. Because if you try to do them all at once, or if you procrastinate them too long, then you reach that tipping point. So what we're doing with the BQI is really preventing that tipping point, helping owners to improve the quality of their building and make those prioritized periodic investments within the timeframe needed. That makes sense. One thing that I'm not 100% clear on is on your end, the, the BQI makes a lot of sense. And, and as if I were a building owner, that's something I would consider. But as you mentioned, you're fighting against forces that you can't do anything about and are a very powerful, like the regulation and the financial rule, um, habits of building owners. So how does the, do the two work together? That's what I'm not quite clear on, on, and I would like you to explain. I'll give Europe as an example, because these opposing factors, building quality, um, tax policy, and the financial system, they don't have to be at odds with each other. So in Europe, um, there's a different mindset about conservation and about the environment. And most buildings are used much longer on average over there. I, I wasn't able to find a statistic, but everyone I speak to from Europe um, confirms this for me. Yeah, I can confirm that too. Okay, cool. They have different, you know, different tax rules. Um, they have different loan terms over there. And part of that is that this information has been communicated um, from one discipline to another. Whereas in the US, we're kind of stuck in our silos. Architects are doing this, the financial people are doing this, the real estate people are doing this, and we're not all talking to each other. So, well, well, even though us architects and real estate people, we can't change um, the financial industry or the taxes, we can start the conversation and we can get the information moving to communicate the message that we need to use buildings for longer.
So it's really about passing on that information among the different players and hoping that this additional layer of information will help them make better decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense now. Um, so why do you think we need another building rating systems? Because there are a few uh, of them out there and how is yours different? Sure. Yeah. I'll give, I'll give some examples. Um, so the ones that are the closest to the BQI or that people might be using instead of the BQI already. Um, one of them is the CoStar building system. Um, that is, if you're not familiar, it's from a big real estate data conglomerate. Um, they collect a whole bunch of real estate data and there's pretty limited architecture and engineering data that goes into that. It's only from one through five stars um, and it's pretty qualitative. Now the BQI on the other hand is precise. It has a thousand points. So you can use that for really intense statistical analysis, which we plan to do. Um, another thing that is different, um, if you think about the green building rating systems, um, like BREAM, Green Globes, LEED, of course, they all publish their system. So you can see the exact, um, this characteristic gives this points. This one gives this number of points. Our system is not like that. It functions like a credit rating or standardized test where you can't see what's in it when you're taking it. And that means that you can't cheat, which gives it a much higher accuracy level. Why am I just hearing about disposable buildings now? The industry hasn't been focused on this problem. Um, one of the main reasons is that people are making money from the current system. So it's like, why should we change if we're making money? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, we're making money, but at a cost. And the long when we get into the long term, there's these costs are going to really add up. Yeah, it sounds like there are negative externalities that the people who make money don't have to deal with, but the society pays the price for. Exactly. Um, yeah. Obviously in the form of like more waste and things like yeah. that, but I'm sure there's a lot of other factors that we don't even see that you've taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. The waste one is huge. Um, just to give you a statistic, the demolition waste is 90% of all the construction waste. And that's in the US and that statistic is coming from the EPA. Now to make that seem even bigger, the construction waste is double the amount of municipal waste. Hmm. That's from every city in the US. So if you got rid of most of that waste, we would need um, half as many landfills basically. Absolutely. Or even if you reduced it by 20%, you know, think about the impact that would have on greenhouse gases. Mm -hmm. It would be enormous. So can you explain to us a little bit more, uh, how can data science uh, change the way we manage those buildings? That's a great question. Um, so I began to think about this problem from a data point of view, um, because all of the information on architecture drawings, on specifications, in reports we prepare for existing buildings, these are all data. And they're not being structured in a database right now, but these, all of this data can be used for purposes. So in the data science world, you know, machine learning is really hot right now. And one of the main things that machine learning does is it predicts things. So in a way it's, it's like a crystal ball. It can tell you the future. Not quite like a crystal ball, but if you have the right inputs, you can get really precise outputs. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a matter of selecting the right, um, the right pieces of information to tell you what you want. So one of the things that we are planning to do in the future 
um, once the BQI is scaled for a lot of buildings is to do machine learning on our buildings to be able to predict mostly bad things about buildings. If mm -hmm. you were an owner, you'd want to know if something bad can happen to my building, you know. Yeah, when are, when is the cladding going to fall down or the windows going to start to break or stuff like that? Yeah. 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 So how do you decide which data is good and relevant? Because I'm personally not a believer in all data is good data. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of, because of the in, immense increase in data collection we've seen in recent years, and showing no st no signs of stopping, um, there's a lot of garbage that's being collected and uh, peddled as valuable when it has zero value. And I'm point thinking about the advertising industry specifically. The online advertising industry is just rife with with abuse and scams. Uh, all most of them predicated on having more data, uh, but most of that data is completely useless. So how do you make sure or decide that the data you're collecting is actually valuable and uh, useful? That's a great question. So I'm gonna give an example of a project that I did where I studied building lifespan and I looked at a, a data set of buildings in New York City that were permitted for demolition. So they had whole building raise permits. And in order to get that subset of buildings, which was about 3,500 buildings, um, I started with a data set of all the New York City permits, which was several million, and then had to factor that down. So once I got the 3,500, there were probably about 70 or 80 columns in the data frame. Now each column was a characteristic. So I had to look at each of those and evaluate using my knowledge of the industry, does this relate to the lifespan? So some of that was a judgment call based on my experience as an architect, but there's also data science techniques that you can use to determine the relevancy of a particular feature to the outcome that you're using. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think it does. I don't quite understand everything, but I don't need to. So I think that makes sense. Okay. You're the data scientist, so you're the expert. Okay. Um, and a little bit of a, a puzzle for you. How many buildings are there in New York City? Oh. <laughs> Uh, are you asking? I don't if you don't know, that's okay. I was oh, just I trying to stump you. But you did stump me. That's all right. I know it's in the millions. Yeah, because you mentioned millions before. So I was curious, like, are there really million, millions of buildings in New York City? But it's such a big city that it would make sense. There were millions of permits. So some buildings might have had multiple permits. So we'll have to do some research on that one. Mm -hmm. Um so what has the response been to your invention so far? That's a great question. So we're, we're working on outreach right now. We have different strategies with public sector and private sector. Um, so far, public sector has been more keen um, because they, they're normally holding onto their buildings for a long time. Um, and they normally do have economic issues with their building. Like how do we finance all these improvements that we need? Mm -hmm. um, so we've had a really good public sector response we're working right now on getting case studies done. So that is finding people who are willing to have their buildings evaluated, honestly, on a guinea pig basis and give us feedback um, and allow us to use it for marketing with the understanding that we may tweak a few things, um, you know, since we're at the beginning. And it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg because a lot of people are like, oh, I'd love to do that. Show me some examples. And we're like, we need the examples. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where we are now. 
Um, and we are also in communication with um, three of the big real estate firms in the U.S. Um, about having them do case studies on their buildings as well. The chicken of the egg question is interesting because you want to find the early adopters to kind of support you early on. There's probably not many of those in government and, and uh, um, building management. So it's, I guess that must be a bit of a challenge. Um, where can people find out more about Arcnura? Our website is arcnura.com. And the name is a combination of architecture and neuron um, to give the data science background. So it's spelled like it sounds, A-R-C-H-N-E-U-R-A. Um, you can find out on our website. Um, and we also are doing a WeFunder campaign right now. Um, so another place you can look is wefunder.com slash Arcnura. And so when you say WeFunder campaign, that means you're actively looking for investors, correct? Yes, we are crowdfunding at the moment. Are there any other ways uh, for people who can't support you financially or are not interested to in putting money in your venture to support you in um, specifically? Absolutely. Um, the ways they can support us are by providing introductions. This could be to potential customers that are building owners um, or to people that are that are big players, experienced people in real estate or sharing posts about us on social media like LinkedIn. That concludes the interview. I want to thank you very much for your time. It was very interesting and enlightening. And uh, I wish you all the success that you deserve. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Hey, Arno here. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and that you'll come back for more. Please share with your friends and colleagues and remember to subscribe on our website at rvltr.studio. Until next time, ciao.